you know, the funny thing about feedback is that when you do give it, people get defensive. You know, they come seeking, I need help, I want opinion. If there's a way you could guide and if, you, if there is a way you could help, and when then you do point out specific, granular, targeted, objective feedback, people get extremely difficult. They become defensive. They become even rude and angry as, as to how could this even be. Turns out that the problem oftentimes is not with the question, but with the mind that is behind it. And we are groomed in such a way that people would always like to listen and talk about the nice and beautiful things and Come a difficult turn, people don't know how to react and usually get agitated and react angrily and vocally and make known that the person giving the feedback perhaps does not know what he or she is talking about. So join me in this bus talk, a brutally honest episode in understanding the philosophy, the methodology behind objections, not just with your customer, but with your mind as well. Hello and welcome to Bus Talk, a podcast about your work-life balance or the lack thereof, where we do simple talk in the world of complex commentary, the life around work and sundry. It's for those who need support in strife, stuck in the traffic of work life, hoping to find a method to the madness, joy in sadness, clarity in confusion and sanity in this commotion. Welcome to Bus Talk. You know, good feedback is great, but bad feedback is really worse. It's easy to give feedback, especially if it is positive, it is incredibly difficult to receive feedback if it is negative. The first defense mechanism that everyone puts up with is denial, disagreement, rage, anger. These are the first response mechanisms. And then once it kind of settles down, you see the rationale behind it, you reason behind it, and in some cases you agree. But seldom do we see people receive negative feedback positively. I don't know if that even makes sense, but you get what I'm trying to say, that to listen to it objectively, neutrally. One might even argue that it also depends on the person delivering that feedback. Oftentimes when people in the position of power, authority, give negative feedback or improvement, areas of improvement feedback, they themselves are muddled in the mind. They do not know the right way to do it. They just want to get it over and done with. I've even seen people who look away. You know, they're almost like, how juvenile is that? You know, they're giving a tough love conversation, but not looking the person in the eye and looking elsewhere. That's one extreme. The other extreme is some people start to play God, that I am the position in power here, I'm your boss, and so whatever I say, you better listen to me and you know it's like a master to a slave kind of a directive or di dictatorial level of conversation that goes on very rarely do we see people give peaceful objective areas of improvement kind of feedback with an open mind problem is at both ends the person who is giving it and the person who's receiving it clearly on the receiving part 
the the scrutiny is that much more because you are the party who is impacted directly with such feedback and there is a action that will be triggered basis such feedback so what do you do so let's find out from both sides of the story if you are a person who is in a position of power giving feedback in this case specifically negative feedback how do you do that what's the right way to do it and if you are the recipient of such critical feedback what's the best way to handle this let's take some examples of the recipient receiving negative feedback think of customers your product sucks your service is pathetic i am not going to buy from you ever this is the last time you'll hear from me and i'm your last customer and so on and so forth closer to the office when you receive negative feedback from you the ultimate one of course is you're fired but just before that feedbacks like this is not working out you need to improve i don't know what you guys are doing and so on and so forth i guess you get the drift right so the response mechanism to such targeted negative feedback is very difficult to digest so people often get confused muddled in their minds and react in a way which on on as time lapses on a later thought they think well i could have dealt with it little differently so what could you do or what can you do or what can one do if you are in the line of fire if you are receiving a barrage of negative feedbacks how do you handle it so first up separate the role from the identity remind yourself this is the role that you are paid to do this is not the person you are so there is a difference the feedback that is being subjected is to the role that you are paid to do not the person that you are i know this is more theoretical than practical but that's the way to deal with it you have to understand and separate these identities so that you are in a better position to manage it clearly it's not an overnight thing that you know one day say oh i'm i'm just a sales executive or i'm a you know a partner manager or whatever and is not the person i am it's over years that you train your mind into believing it's almost like faking your mind right it's it's like making your mind believe that you these are two different people residing in one body so it reminds me if you have seen the movie divar amitabh bachchan and um, shashi kapoor starer there's this epic exchange between the cop and the gangster and and the gangster asks so who's going to listen to me so the cop uh, answers that as long as the brother speaks the brother listens when the criminal speaks the cop listens so it's like separating the role and the identity very very similar analogy to our everyday lives train your mind to separate these two people within one body now that's the first step the second step that you could do is to break down the feedback into smaller parts often times people giving the feedback themselves are under a lot of pressure they are uncomfortable recognize that again drawing a parallel from cricketing analogy when 
MS Dhoni, the Indian erstwhile Indian captain, was at the crease, and it's the last over of the match, and there are say ten runs to score. He once quipped that as much as I am under pressure to win the game, the pressure is also on the bowler so that they should not lose the game. So the pressure is equal on either side. So yes, your boss might be under lesser pressure, but remind yourself that letting you go also is an answerable exercise. It's not like a random thing they can do. Yeah, it usually is prepped up well ahead in time till you reach the nth moment or the last moment when they have made up their mind saying, today I'm going to fire the person. That is not an instantaneous instantaneous heat of the moment decision, usually, quote unquote. In most cases, it's a background that has been on for the previous six months or so. And you would have gotten the hints very clearly in some sense or the other that, oh, this is not not. Um, headed in the right direction. So there are opportunities en route to that final day where you will get ample hints to address or seize the situation. Many cases you can't do anything about it and so you here you are sitting in front of the chair where your boss sometimes doesn't even look at you and say look it's not working out what you do. And so there is a barrage of negative feedback that comes your way. So the first thing that you could do is break down the problem into two or three smaller parts. If the problem is in delivering results, can you break it down into two parts? What is in in your control and what was not in your control? Self-assess, self-critique. If the stuff that was in your control, did you do justice to it? If not, why not? And if yes, highlight that. The stuff that is not in your control, share that, ask for help. What else could I have done here differently? And so once you've presented these two sides of the story, the one that is in your control and the one that is not in your control, you let the decision be. You know, beyond that point, you don't argue. If it is, if they have come with a premeditated mindset, and that's unfortunate with many, many leaders that they are not agile, they are not strong enough sometimes to take a step back saying that yes i thought that this person was good to be let go but looks like i have this gut feel where i want to give this person another chance very few leaders have that spine that backbone to say look i changed my mind i think i'm going to give this another shot most mostly it's like okay i have raked up the storm of this person not doing well anyways we have to show like a 2% or a 5% attrition. So this guy kind of fits the bill. So I'm not going to change my mind. So they come in with this fixed predetermined, almost riled up mindset that I've got to get this over and done with. And so it's futile arguing with them beyond a point, right? You've made your point. And if that's not supposed to be, it's not supposed to be in your exit interviews, in your subsequent meetings with other stakeholders, you have to at least let know your side of the story and then exit agreeing to disagree. You know, it's, it's okay to disagree and then you agree on it and then move on. This is not the end of your life. There are end of your career. When I say life, I mean career life. If you were good enough to get hired in this role, you would always be good enough to get hired elsewhere. 
remind yourself, back yourself to that. There are only that many things that you can do while receiving feedback. Clearly, the last thing is to try and not be in that situation as much as you can. So I know not many of us engineer ourselves into that role. You often find yourself in that position that, oh, I didn't realize this happened. So one of the key things to succeed um, and to get to navigate through the corporate maze so that you are not accustomed or if you're not um, in a situation where negative feedback is thrust upon you is to align with what is happening around you while being slightly different. And I use these words carefully. It is important that people see you, that people in power see you, that you are aligned, and yet you bring this delta x difference, which is not too threatening, you know, not so dramatic or so out of the box that, oh my God, you know. So if I were to put it in numbers, if 10 on 10 is the perfect expectation, if you're like 9 on 10, exactly what the organization is aligned to, wants to, or the direction that you want to head to, and maybe 1% is what you're trying to do differently, then that is still, you know, and, and if it works especially, uh, then it will be touted as, wow, this is the person who's, you know, really brought about the change and blah, blah, blah. Alternatively, if that fails, then it's not that big a failure that your boss cannot hide it off or shove it off or, you know, represent it as, oh, we tried to do something. The trouble is when you try to boil the ocean, upset the cart, you say this is now how it is done previously and this is how it should be done and you get into a fundamental conflict with the way the business is being run. A very hard practical lens to that is, well, if you are so strong in your mind about something being run in a particular way, either get yourself into a position of power where you can execute that. If not, do it on your own. Go out there, start a company, run your own kingdom and follow the rules that you want to follow and reject the ones that you don't. So, but if you are in an organization, then it is imperative that you understand the rules of engagement. You can seek buy-in from your stakeholders that, look, I'm trying to do something like this. And would you help me? In which case, you cannot go solo and claim victory and turn to be this Superman. You will have a situation where it will be a collaborative effort and multiple stakeholders will claim uh, success or part of the success and that's how the camaraderie of the network uh, works in general where you grow I grow if you succeed I will have a hand in your success and if you fall I will have a leg in that too and, and that perhaps is the way of the world like to say skill is walking on a tightrope over Niagara Falls intelligence is trying not to do it so if you have to swim in the shark-filled waters, then you can't go skinny dipping there. Right? So you have to get yourself protected, you have to know the dangers that lie, and despite all of this, you still get bitten once in a while, and that's okay, and that's why rule number two, separate the role from the identity, and then keep moving. Being a 
a leader is tricky. You know, it's a position that you have aspired for all your life. And now that you are in a position of power and authority, so many lives depend on you. So many people's happiness depends on you. And so it is very tricky to stay neutral, stay calm, stay objective and act objectively. It's very easy to get swayed by people, influencers, by dominant personalities that surround you and start believing in feedback which sometimes could be farther away from water in Mars. So classic examples, when you are entering into a room where you have to let go of somebody, clearly your mind is also under pressure. You're also thinking, well, am I not the person who hired this this person? Was this not the same person who cleared three, four, five rounds of interviews, not just from my team, but across all departments, across all levels of intelligentsia, across all levels of uh, vetting process and background checks and whatnot. It's just to ensure that you, that person is the right fit. So has the process failed the person or has the person failed the process? That's a question that goes on in your mind. You might seek feedback from your peer, sometimes your senior and sometimes your juniors. What's the risk with that? It's a good thing, isn't it, to get a 360 degree feedback and you rationalize that it's I'm not forming an opinion only by my sense of judgment, but also seeking almost like a unanimous opinion. The trouble with that is that there is high likelihood that a majority might have a opinion contrary to the reality. Metaphorically speaking, of course, go back to Shakespeare and Julius Caesar. Right? When Caesar entered Rome, he was the undisputed emperor and the majority believed that he was the best king, best emperor. When Brutus killed him along with the others, then the majority believed that Brutus did the right thing. So the definition of truth changed. And then when Mark Antony avenged everything, then again the definition of truth of the majority changed. So the point I hear is that as a leader, it is risky to believe what you hear about somebody 100%. You could take a certain percentage out of it and that's where you have to use your own judgment based on facts, not just on instincts. It's a very tricky thing, right? I totally get it, that it's, it's, uh, it's more learned over the years by trial and error. That's why most people will tell you that there are many bosses in the world, but very few leaders. Bosses demand respect, leaders command respect. And the reason they command such a respect is not by one-off activity or one-off instance or one-off area of excellence or brilliance, it's because of consistency, it's, it's because of being fair, it's because of being inclusive. These are the key character traits of a good leader. A good boss, on the other hand, will clearly make sure that they get their agenda successful and they have a myopic view of the world. They think, well, my job is only for three years in this role. So in three years, I've just got to make do with these people. If they work, great. If they don't, doesn't matter. I will exit this role saying like, I picked up the business here and I'm exiting at a high 
no matter how I traveled this path. So there are different schools of thought. So when you are a leader, giving feedback, letting people go, giving negative feedback is so difficult because there are people who will please you and share feedback exactly what you want to hear. So you have to be very wary about that. Like if you don't like this particular person, you emit a certain vibe and there are lots of receptors around you who will pick up on that vibe and build on that vibe and it's like a confirmation bias. Like they will reconfirm to you that yes, you're absolutely right. That's ex That person is a complete incompetent person. It was a hiring mistake. So you have to risk believing and risk not believing this feedback. Oftentimes it is often seen that if you don't have an ear to the ground, then you don't know what's going on because you are huddled up in the huddle room and you don't know what's going on at the ground level and there's a massive disconnect. But if you listen too much to the ground, then you lose sight of the big picture and you lose your judgment. So it's incredibly difficult being a leader to deliver negative feedback. So what can you do to minimize this? You can't get rid of it, of these complexities. What can you do to minimize it? Well, for starters, take every feedback, positive or negative, with a pinch of salt. About this person you're about to deliver negative feedback, right? That's the subject in question, who perhaps has not met their numbers, not delivered on their deliverables, or there is some area of, of improvement and it has reached such a point that you now have to deliver the bad news. Right, so I'm discussing, I'm sharing the mindset before you enter that conversation in that room. So don't go with a predetermined mindset that there can be no turnaround, that there can't be any more changes, that there can't be any more areas which you missed out. So entering the room with an open, positive, neutral mindset is very critical. Reminding yourself that listen, you are not letting somebody go, you're probably redirecting them to a better career, a more successful career, perhaps a more happier career than what they have here. So there's nothing wrong in presenting it in a neutral way. Clearly and certainly you don't need to have an argument and a fight and major, you know, leave a bad taste in the mouth and a, you know, major you said, I said, you did, I did kind of a uh, immature conversation. There has to be empathy. There has to be understanding from the other person's point of view. I mean, remind yourself, you're not doing this job to be unsuccessful. You're doing it to be successful. So if that logic holds true with you, why would it change with the person that you are addressing? They too want to be successful. So somewhere, is it not incumbent upon you, upon your leadership, upon your guidance, that this person is not able to turn around? Who's asking you those questions? Are you asking yourself those, those questions? Are you doing justice in turning around somebody? Or are you just being impatient with this person and not understanding their point of view? Or you're just doing it because you don't have time. You just want to get it over and done with. Enter the room with an open mindset thinking if there is a reasonable conversation where we could make this work out then I will be open to it and there's a mathematical 
logic to it as well. Letting a person go cost the company 1.5x the CTC. The time lost in between is good six to seven months before you identify another person, the person gets onboarded, then the person ramps up in three to four months time. So you've already lost six months of productivity. So as a smart business person running a business, do that math as well. And the third part is, if you have done all your checks and balances neutrally, objectively, then you can always exit amicably. You need not be a hostile manager. It need not be a bitter experience that, you know, when they exit the organization, they badmouth you to the rest of the world. And this is a very small world, make no mistake. You could not be in this role yourself in, say, two years' time, and you could land up in another company where this person is working, and there could be negative feedback about you uh, even before you have joined the role. So you don't know how the circle connects at the 360 degree mark, right? What goes around comes around. So not to say that you should fear that. If you are on the right side of truth, then you should not fear what happens. But like I said, truth is tricky, as was the case with Julius Caesar. And so it is important to be compassionate. It is important to be patient, to hear the person out that why did the person struggle and why the person could not deliver the best work. And is there no room for improvement at all? Or have we reached a stage where there is no chance of resetting it anymore? And if you have, then you can peacefully, happily and say, look, we tried, it didn't work. So let's move on. And yes, there will be irate uh, recipients, you know, because suddenly their life is about to change. They feel there is a sense of prestige that is taken away by the way uh, the message is delivered. If it is delivered incompassionately, if it is delivered rudely, it leaves a scar on their mind for a very long time. And as a leader somewhere that will haunt you, that you did not do a justice in exiting the person. Hiring the person was very easy, comparatively, right? It's letting the person go, which is very difficult. And if you don't feel enough empathy about letting go of a person, then perhaps you're not ready to be a leader. A leader is almost like a nurturer. As much as you need to lead with an iron hand, uh, with a firm, decisive mindset, you're also a nurturer, a carer, and a listener. So it is very important that you be cognizant of both sides of the story and then deliver the tough message very objectively in small parts and highlight what are the three or four things you try to do to back this person up and why despite you backing this person, it was not still working out and what impact of this not working out was happening in the business. You have to find time for this conversation and if this means it spreads on to two conversations or three conversations, then that's what it should be. Letting go of a person should not be a hasty decision. So you can't do the, you know, the apprentice-like approach that you walk in and say you're fired and you do the snake hand <laughs> that that is not smart so keep these points in mind given the fact that you're in a position of power you've earned it you've been in a position of authority you've earned it and so it is incumbent upon you 
to display exemplary leadership qualities that people follow. They say, look, even I parted ways, I was proud to work with such a leader. Instead of saying, oh, it's a good riddance to bad rubbish on both sides. You don't want to exit on those terms. And that's about it for this episode of Bus Talk. I do hope you had a good time listening as much as I had sharing these thoughts with you. And if you did, just scroll below and find other episodes of Bus Talk. Share it with others who might appreciate similar content. Here's the good news though. If you had any specific questions or want me to cover a specific topic which matters to you, send me a note on my email gyanban at gmail.com which is g-y-a-n-b-a-n-n at gmail.com and I'll include them in the subsequent episodes. Or you could leave me a voice message using the link below. Reach me on my social media handles on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Hashtag G-Y-A-N-B-A-N. That's Kyanban. Or you could go on to podpage.com forward slash bus talk. That's B-A-S-T-L-K. So be sure to tune in next week. There's a fascinating episode coming right up. And till then, stay safe, stay well and bring your A-game to work. You are listening to Bus Talk and I'm your host, GB. Peace out.